Hello world, and welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined as always by Charlie Bud, and today we're making a light trek across the pond as we chat about the new Colin Farrell movie, The Banshees of Inishirin. The film about a man so committed to moving forward with his life that he is willing to maim himself to block out distractions. As always, we will keep things spoiler-free initially, but we'll change about halfway through the episode after a quick warning. Charlie, this movie covered a wide array of themes and emotions, likely causing viewers to have their own distinct interpretations. To kick us off, and in your opinion, I want to know what you think the core message of Banshees of Inisherin is. What you got? Ooh, the core message of uh, Banshees of Inisherin. I don't know if there's like necessarily like I don't know. To me, I felt like. The core message of Banshees. Tough question right off the bat. Um, yeah, dude, this isn't going to be an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> I think, in a way, it's like self-loathing. Um, okay. You know, and <laughs> also, and it's like, I guess, I feel like there's a couple of things. For me, I think it's like self-loathing. For me, I also think that like one of the core messages is pride. Like pride is the thing that I think is a big theme in this movie. Um, and I don't know. It's I have like I feel like it's something with like consequences. You know, I see the thought in my head. I just don't know how to articulate it uh, because <laughs> okay. like you know the way that the kind of the movie goes down is um despite their you know the premise of the movie is that two friends falling out they don't want to like or one of them doesn't want to be friends with the other anymore um and like the one friend who's like confused this is played by um colin farrell colin farrell yep and uh He's like confused why he doesn't like why uh, Brandon Gleason doesn't want to be friends with him anymore and like and it's just like that's kind of what the whole movie is like basically about and it gets really like grisly at some points and like very macabre like um and I think in a way like the motivations are you know a prideful point of view from Gleason's and so I think that's like a big theme and um I think that at i don't know i've done i kind of lost where i was going there but uh <laughs> I, I was with you though i was with you. yeah i think i think uh that the movie's main like message i don't know if there's like a main message and i'm curious to think if you have an idea for like what a, if there is a main message from this movie but i think like it's a mix of things between like you know the ramifications of like pride and one's pride and how that kind of plays out, not only for like two individuals involved, but how that radiates and affects the surrounding community. And also like the unintended consequences that that like causes, which I guess is in reference to the radiating like uh, actions of one's, you know, sinful pride, which is also a theme we'll get to because there are like allusions to that. But what did you think was the main takeaway from this movie? I just want to say how fascinating your take was. I appreciated <laughs> that. But I'll say for me, I thought it was kind of about the future and the um, inescapable, I guess, uh, inevitable demise that we all will eventually uh, experience. Mm. I think that for every character, it was everybody's eyes were on the future. You're like, what will my life look like? 
here on Inna Sharon, you know, in 20 years from now. And uh, to your point, I think in the movie, his name is like Calm Doherty, but it's Brendan Gleeson, mm-hmm. uh, the older friend of the two, was just, he was, it was the most prevalent in his mind. And he was essentially trying to game it and make sure that he actually had a future that he, he appreciated and could could really enjoy and be proud of. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think it was. And I think that that was contrasted by Colin Farrell's, who, who his name is Podrick in the movie, um, lack of vision for the future. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's actually, yeah, it's a good foil. He's definitely like a foil to like Brandon Gleason's character. And that is a good, you know, kind of takeaway that, you know, Thank by... You. <laughs> if I thought about it for like 20 notes. minutes, I probably <laughs> I could have come up with that. But um, yeah, because, you know, also, uh, you know, like all the characters other than Colin Farrell think a lot about their future. Uh, mm-hmm. Colin Farrell's sister. I'm going to just pull up the character names real quick. So I just because yeah. I keep her name was everything. Siobhan. Yeah, Siobhan. There we go. Uh, yeah. Siobhan, she, you know, throughout the movie, she's like looking for I guess like opportunities jobs and you know ways to get off the island she um also is kind of a voice of reason between the two characters in their like struggle uh that they're having with each other um and she kind of like you know there's like a line in the movie where she goes I just can't take any more of this like madness like clearly that this is becoming overwhelming and is it affecting her ability to kind of stay um on this uh, you know, in this community on Inishirin, which is like this island town off of the coast of Ireland, right? So she's like looking for ways to get off the island in a way. And then also which you is... have um, Dominic Kearney, played by Barry Kilgan, I think. I don't know how you say his last name. <laughs> I was gonna, I wasn't gonna try. Um, <laughs> uh, but who's like thinking a lot about like the future in terms of like starting a family right he's like it's a common Mm -hmm. theme for him like he brings it up multiple times with colin farrell i think his name and who's colin farrell's character's name is like podrick or something podrick yeah Uh, like from game of thrones yeah yeah Yeah. it's spelt weird but i think it's just pronounced podrick (laughs) um and uh um and what was i saying oh like yeah dominic you know brings it up a lot and um you know it's and he it's clearly like a turmoil for him because the first time he brings it up he's really really drunk right he's really really drunk mm. when he brings it up and uh and yeah i think that's a pretty common theme throughout like the four main characters and like a lot of the tertiary characters don't really have that like display but we also don't really get to see any more than like a very one-dimensional view of all like the tertiary characters like the bartender the other townsfolk the yep. weird like banshee as i say is yeah, like almost kind of mrs. like a metaphor McCormick. for like yeah mrs <laughs> mrs mccormick who is like serves as like a banshee i suppose i don't know actually um kind of playing into the title of the movie but uh, yeah that's a good observation well, yeah. thank you. And I think, you know, preparing the question myself gave me a little time to really consider that. <laughs> yeah, so. no. I hadn't thought about, like, what the message of the movie was. So, so, so off guard. I was ready to talk about the themes and stuff and then come up with the message later on. But you just threw Oh, man. I hey, you just wanted to get it out of the way early. Yeah. I appreciate shit. I was going to say, okay, but based off of that, what kind of were you think, thinking the central themes of the movie? Well, were? yeah, like, I talked a little bit about it. I think Pride is a big one. Death. Yep. Um, oh. And... Um, do you think uh, friendship was uh yeah i mean friendship for i mean like yeah it's a given in a <laughs> sense but the, uh, i think fruit. um 
I think Pride and Death are kind of like the bigger ones here. And dare I say apathy. Apathy can be a little bit of a theme in this sense, in the way that Padra kind of approaches the situation, I think. Like, not maybe apathy isn't the correct word here. Um, I but say, I think I like, know we all know what that means. But for <laughs> our viewers who might not, how would you define? <laughs> it's like a lack of interest, and I would say uh, that's, that's I would exactly say I that like say. his lack of interest is more so towards what Calm does. I think because mm-hmm. um, like when you know it seems from the so we don't really get a lot of view of what their friendship was like. Right, the movie basically Before. starts off with the, uh, you know Calm just saying like you know what sit somewhere else. Right. Like when he comes up to the pub and we kind of like learn throughout the movie, like, you know, you told me, you talked to me two hours about what was in your donkey shit. And, um, he's like two hours. And he's like, well, it was my donkey shite. Not, it was my pony shite. Not my donkey. <laughs> exactly. So you weren't listening. <laughs> and like, I don't know, to me kind of screamed, um, that calm was very, very dedicated to his music. This is also like another thing that's you know evident throughout like it ties into the pride stuff because mm. um to me i think colm is very very prideful in the way that or wants to be remembered like he has like a pride in the way that he does his music um and that like he cares a lot about it and that he doesn't care to be nice he only cares to be remembered he only cares that he's like the next most mozart and like that might not be like a one to one like a pride thing, but I definitely think that is something that is driving him. Not necessarily like a um, like he's prideful about how great he is. I think pride or having like a legacy is what drives him. Absolutely, so much so that he's willing to throw away what we, I guess, are able to you know, infer is a very valuable friendship mm. to him. And that's really like, to your point, how the movie starts off. I just want to know, do you think, you know, putting yourself in his shoes that that kind of action is justified to completely cut somebody off because you want to be remembered? No, I don't think it's justified. So I don't think Colm is like really in the right throughout this movie. Like, I think he's taking such a drastic action when, like, there are better ways to kind of approach, like, hey, like, and maybe, and this is something we see off screen, or something we don't see on screen is their friendship. So we have no idea kind of how, um, you know, uh, Podrick and Calm kind of interact with each other. We have no idea if, like, Podrick is truly a distraction from Calm's, you know, music-making ability. We have no idea. Uh, but from what we can kind of glean from the movie, it just seems like Calm is, like, it seems too drastic that, like, it doesn't seem like there's been, and there's no reference from any of the characters that, you know, he's tried to tell Podrick in the past, like, hey, I want to focus on my music for today, or, like, I really just want to work on this. Uh, maybe we can go to the pub another time or whatever, even though it seems like he goes to the pub all the time and like, or maybe just like yeah. one or two days is like at the pub. It's like, Hey, today I'm just trying to write my music. You can hang out. Just try to like, please. I'm just, you know, like, it just seems like there could be compromises. Instead it goes to like the extreme and we have no idea if, um, the, uh, if, if they, he's tried that in the past, but it mm-hmm. seemed and- like, for those of you who are listening who have not yet watched the movie, I suggest you do. But 
Essentially, Calm Doherty is so committed to being remembered for his music that he severs what we are left to believe is his best friend, cuts off all ties so that he could focus solely on his music to leave something behind for after, you know. Which is, which is also, demise. like, weird. I have, like, another question to you. Like, I find it odd that Calm, like, would cut off Podrick and then um, go and talk to other people in the, at the pub. Like he talks to like the sheriff, I believe, uh, Dominic's dad when he's sitting at the mm-hmm. pub and like, you know, uh, Patrick's just, you know, getting really, really hammered and, you know, and all that stuff. But like, do you believe calm when he says that like he doesn't want to hang out with him mostly because he's dull or dullish in his eyes? Like, do you believe I that? Think I do. And I, I, I honestly, I kind of find calm's. He was a little rugged in terms of how he approached it, but I get it. And if you're someone who is committed to something, and unfortunately we don't know when we're ultimately going to die. Most of us don't mm-hmm. know when we're going to die. Um, and so it's kind of like this notion of just ripping the Band-Aid off. Mind you, to your point, I don't know if I would have done it so you know blatantly, but at the same time, it's kind of this notion of you know don't move back. And if you recognize that something needs to change in your life in order to achieve your goal... I hope you have the strength to make, you know, the adjustments needed in order to get to where you're trying to go. Now, thinking about friendships, that is tricky because it's another person. You know, we we as humans have this thing called empathy where we feel for others and their pain. But it seems like Calm was so committed to this. And I think, and this kind of is, I guess, what I'm I'm left to, you know, believe based off of what his actions are. And I have to assume what what he was really feeling internally was that to that point, his life hadn't meant really anything. I mean, based on his relationship with Podrick, what he did every day was get up, go to the pub, have a drink, play the the fiddle a little bit, and then just go to sleep. And so I guess in thinking about that, and especially if you think that you've wasted just essentially a lifetime... Honestly, the clock might not be, you know, ticking in your favor, so you might have to, you know, get that uh, kick in the pants and really get after it. So, I kind of could appreciate his willingness to, you know, be extreme, but at the same time, and as you said, he was talking to other people, and so I think that what that was meant to show was that it was it always be easy with Padraig. Like he'd always fall back into the same habits. There are those people who naturally you. I hate to use the word regress when you're around, but you become the person that you were when you were originally met and you're not necessarily the person you are today, mm-hmm. which might be the best version of you. Mm. I think Podrick naturally kind of caused that regression in Calm and he recognized that in himself and said, I have to completely sever that. And <laughs> I use the word sever. It's funny because yeah. it's kind of symbolic in it terms is. of severing. It is, it is. The- uh, I have another question for you then. Yeah. Um, do you think Calm was ever truly friends with Podrick? Like, do you think he was just putting up with him over these years and that's why he resorted to such a drastic action? Or do you think he genuinely was friends with him and just took a drastic approach to stop being friends with him? I think he was genuinely friends with him and he was so committed to that friendship that he hoped in his heart of hearts that Podrick would care about him and reciprocate that kind of affection and completely cut things off. For those of you, once again, who are listening, who have not seen the movie, 
essentially Colm comes to Podrick and says, for every time you talk to me, for every time you bother me, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers that I use to play the fiddle, which seemed kind of counterproductive if you want to be like leave music, <laughs> which, you know, Siobhan kind of says, but um, I think it was justified because if Podrick was a true friend, then he would see kind of that desire yeah. and he would cut, cut himself off. How about, you, how about yourself? What do you think? Yeah, I think like the whole point of that was to show is like if you were a true friend, if you truly cared about me, then you will stop talking to me because you know that if I can't have my fingers to do the one thing that I am stop like stopping you to like, you know, stop hanging out with you to in order to achieve something, like then you didn't care about me at all. Like really at the end of the day. But at the same time, like I think that's a double edged sword. Um, because like while Yes, like, you know, Padraic, you know, is like should be empathetic towards Calm's cause here. But I think to give such a very, very binary ultimatum is also kind of like sucks for, you know, Padraic. Because, you know, look at it from his point of view, right? Mm -hmm. He does not really understand why. Like, like, because... He under he says like you know oh, the fiddler like yeah yeah you want to play the fiddle you want to be you you know like Mozart it's like everyone to his name knows who Mozart is like well I don't so there goes that theory and like I think that, <laughs> that also kind of speaks to like Podrick's like you know intelligence in a way I feel like there is like an intelligence gap between them like Calm seems more sophisticated and Podrick seems to more be like a uh, the town drunk because you know it is <laughs> commented on by a few people that he gets to kind of be a different person when he drinks so he's just kind of like a simple man and you know just likes to have his routine um so but for me i think a true friend wouldn't need to necessarily understand the reasoning it's you're my friend i care about you this is something that's clearly very important to you so i will just abide by that it's kind of like i need that person who it's like, we're, I need you to help me hide the body. Okay, let's do it. Like, Or mm -hmm. or in the town, I love this movie, Ben Affleck, for those of you who have uh, seen it, when um, he's like, I, I need you to help me. We're going to go hurt some people really bad and never talk about it again. <laughs> and then Jeremy Renner says, whose car are we taking, yours or mine? That's what you need. And that's yeah. what Podrick needed to be in the moment, but he refused to because of this, honestly, I'll say selfishness. Yeah, I... Yeah, I agree. And I don't even, I don't, I don't think Padre, I don't think either of them are kind of in the right or, you know, like I, I think they're both that. kind of in the wrong uh, throughout this film. I think Padre has to, is like, needs to be empathetic and like understand, like be kind of like a true friend there. Um, and also at the same time, he should have also like been more empathetic before it escalated to, you know, that ultimatum that Calm eventually gives. Uh, to be like, hey, okay, fine. Can we just like work something out here? Because you know you're still a good friend. I know we're good friends, and I do. And like to kind of go back, I do think that they were good friends beforehand because there are moments where Cobb does stuff like to him, like for him, and like mm -hmm. cares about him, and like it's clear despite them not talking, despite him not wanting to be friends anymore. And it, but it's it it shows that even like he can't move past certain things that he only you know is doing this because of you know, the legacy that he wants to leave. 
Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I do want to get your thoughts around kind of before we dive deeper into the story, uh, Inisharan as a setting and then also the kind of time in which this movie took place. It was 1923. Yeah. And I don't know if this is based on you know real facts, but the Irish Civil War was going on at that mm-hmm. time. So I just kind of wanted to know what you thought about that kind of as Well, framing. I thought the Civil War was a metaphor for the conflict between the two of them. Ooh, I didn't even think about that, dude. <clears throat> um, it's not very... Uh, it's not like in the foreground very often. Like the Civil War is just like something that's kind of happening in the background. Um, it's mentioned a few times throughout the film, but it's not like a major part of the movie. It doesn't really alter any of the storylines. I think it's just supposed to be like a metaphor about like the two sides of their friendship and kind of how, even though they're from the same town, from the same experiences, kind of had their routine together, they see things differently. And that's why they're kind of in this like fight, like almost to the death in a very like grudge match kind of way. Um, that it eventually kind of like becomes and um, it's I think that's kind of similar to how like Civil War starts like people from the same country people from you know people like you maybe used to you know sit beside at a, at a pub one day but the next you're kind of like enemies fighting for different things because you view the world differently dude that was beautiful and something I didn't even think <laughs> I'm sitting here in amazement of each other <laughs> Wow. Wow. You know, you, uh, that's, that's what I think too, people. That's what I think too. Oh my gosh. Wow. Very well said. Um, but in in that same vein, did you have a favorite like bit of Irish lingo? Oh, I loved all the Irish lingo. I thought this movie was like pretty funny. Um, I I will say though, but I didn't, I guess we kind of like skipped over the part where we said if we enjoyed the movie or not. And for me, I actually really, really did enjoy this, this film. Um, I don't know about you. I I thought this was a great movie. I agree. And honestly, I am a sucker for fresh ideas. This is, you know, a movie that I haven't necessarily seen before or Mm -hmm. has nuances that are new to me. Mm -hmm. I will almost a hundred percent like it. Yeah. So uh, I really, I mean, it's, I love movies that have a very simple concept overall, but just have those kind of uh, key storytelling elements weaved, woven within them so that it makes it just more interesting. And I think that this is a story about friendship and change, but just kind of the stakes that are introduced make it so much more appealing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it, I think this is wild. I think it was really entertaining to kind of just like see how, um, this like you know, I don't know. Uh, I say, well, it, it, yeah. I just think it, it's a very unique kind of take on like a friendship falling out kind of story, and I don't know. I just liked everything about it. I liked the setting. I liked, you know, how it was just kind of like this very quaint little small Irish town, nineteen twenties Ireland, off the coast of ireland and like i don't know they just seemed like a small community it was just fields and rocks we didn't really get to see much of a downtown there was like some places the pub seemed to be in the middle of nowhere from like very (laughs) separated from the rest of like the town by the port and um it it was cool i liked the setting a lot like a lot of the irish lingo to kind of bring it back to that was funny like i like the the freckin like lines they're just trying to say the f like they're just trying to say like fuck and they do like i think um uh siobhan i think yeah siobhan she says like 
like fuck so instead instead of saying like feckin like the, like i thought that was just like how the irish say fuck or something but That's what and, I and then like too. they then one of like one, someone says it normally later on i'm like oh maybe it wasn't that then but uh there was there was a lot of really great uh dialogue throughout the movie it is darkly comedic it's funny yeah um yeah. but uh yeah what well, about you were... did you have any favorite irish lingo from the film i would say what is it rowan it's like are we rowan are we rowan are, are you guys uh, rowan like, <laughs> just like fighting yeah. <laughs> it's like you guys gotta be rowan right yeah <laughs> i was like oh my god i like how though there was like this one scene where like there's the bartender and another guy are like talking to Podrick, and like the guy's just repeating everything <laughs> the bartender is saying i thought that was so oh, funny <laughs> Dude, our theater kept like erupting in laughter every single time. Oh yeah, time. oh yeah. Like, My theater was laughing a lot uh, during oh, this movie. Uh, Good. And every time uh, Jenny, the little, I guess the pony or the little donkey, whichever one you prefer, everybody was like, "Oh, so cute." Yeah. Oh, people weren't doing that, but um, people oh. were. Uh, people weren't on ooing and on to the donkey. I will say, <laughs> people were just laughing hysterically throughout the movie, though, because there Absolutely. was it was fantastic. I think both Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleeson particularly did fantastic jobs in this role. I will say, agreed. Uh, I thought they agreed. were excellent. Uh, Karen Condon also excellent in this role. I, I mean, the whole cast did a great job. I mean, oh, the psh. four main characters at least, because um, there's really only like four characters. The priest was funny and like uh, there's just so many great <laughs> scenes. I mean, that one scene with the priest is so hilarious. But we'll, we'll get to it. In the confessional, uh, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, are we going are we, with that? Are we treading into spoiler territory now? Yeah, I guess we give our like final non-spoilery thoughts on the movie. Okay. Um, so before we get into spoilers, I think overall, I really, really like this movie. I'd probably give it like a 9 out of 10, honestly. I thought it was excellent. Mm. Um, I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it to go check it out. Uh, a lot of really great performances. Just It's just darkly comedic. And, uh, and it's kind of like a very, very unique take on like uh, Friendship Falling Out. So check it out definitely I'd, I'd give it probably 8.5 okay but i mean i saw it yesterday so maybe it will over time just gradually yeah. increase i want to give it that that room uh, but no to your point i really liked it it was a character driven story all the actors you know turned in awesome performances and the time kind of flew by i don't know how long the movie was per se but um, i found myself yeah if you can pull up the run time hour I found 50 just, you know, yeah it went it flew oh, by it flew by yeah Absolutely. And I just like, this is so basic, but I mean, they just kept, like I said, was, raising the stakes. Yeah. It was very, it like, was very engrossed in the film. Like, the characters Definitely. are really interesting. Yeah, the stakes kept getting raised, and like, you're just like, what the hell's going to happen next kind of thing? Yeah. And even though, yeah, it's a very character based story, but it does kind of have like a lot of like, you know, uh, edge of your seat kind of moments, I suppose. Like, how is this all going to end is like a thing that was constantly on my mind throughout the film dude i i had no idea where they were gonna take it yeah literally no idea oh man perfect perfect all right people if you're listening now and you haven't seen this movie please go out and check it out and if you don't want to hear any spoilers then this is your time to hop on off we'll give you one second okay let's do this thing bud now let's now let's dish dish all right let's do it gracious all righty from the jump i mean Basically, movie starts off. 
You got uh, Podrick. You got Colm Doherty. They are rowing, I guess, but Podrick doesn't really know it. Are you too rowing? Uh, We're not rowing. <laughs> are we rowing? Are we rowing? <laughs> like, dude, so funny, so good. I guess my first question for you, we get introduced to the characters pretty early on. And you meet Shiv, mm-hmm. who is Podrick's sister. And yeah. at first I thought it was it was his wife, but it's his sister. And they're pretty old. They'd probably say at least in the movie they were at least in their 40s. Yeah. And one question that she gets asked constantly throughout, you know, why are you not married? Like, why are you alone? And I just kind of wanted to, based on what you know now, and especially considering where the movie started, what do you think the answer to that question is? Why she's not married? I think she, <laughs> um, I think for her, it's not important to her. Uh, like I think in a way her kind of character arc is figuring out, um, what she wants to do with her like life, you know, and like where that's going. I can't remember the details exactly, but I believe there are a couple of mentions throughout the story that she went to college or something or university. Maybe no, maybe not. Okay. Maybe I'm making that up but <laughs> like so i can't remember but it's <laughs> uh, i thought that was a thing in the movie but i could be wrong um but she's also like somebody who i don't know isn't she I, I i for some reason i thought she was like a big book reader or whatever and like yeah absolutely and is definitely like smart and um i think because uh, there's a moment where uh dominic kind of like comes up and like you know basically proposes in the sense that like hey you want to get together <laughs> <laughs> um and she kind of like rejects him probably for multiple reasons one it being dominic uh, and two i think damn. um i don't think she saw herself settling down there and from what i gathered uh for the most part i think she spent most of her life on it this year and i don't think she's yep. ventured too far out of it and i don't think and i think she was looking for reasons to go but hadn't come up with one yet because her life was there and it is scary to change if that's all you know um, but eventually she does, almost kind of driven away by the uh, conflict between um, Podrick and Glom. So, um, and I think that was another motivator because, like, you know, she's the voice of reason. And the moment that she leaves, it all goes really downhill really quickly, which I thought was an interesting kind of note to make <laughs> in the movie. Because she is the one who is trying to tell Podrick, you need to stop. You need to, like, stop hanging yeah. out with him. But he doesn't, he refuses to listen and um so yeah i think for her she wanted you know something more she wanted to figure out what what was out there what life had to offer before you know she gets married i suppose what about you oh so you think she will get married well i think it's not out of the question because i don't think there's any like i don't know do you think do you think not i'm curious why you wouldn't think so um but like i just think for her it's not necessarily something she's like seeking but i think because I think she needs to figure out life first. But I could see it after she, you know, has those experiences outside of Inishirin. But why, why do you think okay. the opposite? Well, it's interesting. I think her whole arc is she's kind of, and you said she's highly educated, and she is. Uh, she's like a big fish in a, in a small pond, mm-hmm. but it's her pond. It's, to your point, very comfortable. She knows it. And I think she also kind of uses Podrick as a means of justifying sticking around because mm-hmm. he oh, kind of can't take care of himself yeah. and she looks after him clearly. Um, but eventually I think that, I don't know if it was necessarily because of Podrick and Comb Doherty, but 
I think that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. And she realizes that she's not growing as a person um, when she's in Inishirin. And she realizes I have to go, even though there's a civil war kind of going on in the mainland, like I'm willing to do that. And it was funny because um, when she first, so essentially she gets her job as a librarian on the mainland. And the one woman who like gave her the letter had opened it up and read it <laughs> and she was just kept inquiring like oh are you going going to be like a librarian and she's like mind your own business but it's funny to see kind of other people's perspectives on what she should do it seemed like even they were pushing her to to do that and everybody says she's not like other women she's you know this this whole per and i think that kind of bothers her because she's a modern woman in a not modern time. Yeah. And so uh, there's a moment when Dominic's father says, no wonder like anybody, nobody wants to like be with you. And they say you're strange. And then that night she's like in her bed crying. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, she's, she's evolved beyond it. And eventually yeah. she says, I can't keep holding myself back. I need to spread my wings and fly. And she does. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, and so with that in mind, I think there's a possibility that she might find her, like love, but I think that she's also based on that evolution as a character. I think she's evolved beyond it. Like, I don't think that she needs. I don't someone. think she needs think... it, but uh, who's to say <laughs> if right, like, right. if I'd she like, like finds maybe. it like out there, like yeah, who knows? Who knows? I think the main point for her is that like, yeah, it's just the evolution of realizing that she needs to move past in a Sheeran and that like, th- like the place that she knew all her life is no longer the place she can remember. Yes. Ooh, dude, you're dropping nice, like, little lines out here today. Goodness. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. But I guess getting back to the main, like, plot line, uh, the beef between Podrick and Calm Doherty. Um, essentially, Calm says, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And Podrick is having a hard time understanding that until the ultimatum is given that Calm will cut off a fiddle playing finger every time mm-hmm. Podrick comes and talks to him. Yeah. And so naturally, in the beginning, there's, you know, questioning, is he being serious or is he just putting it out in this extreme and hoping that that's enough to deter Podrick until Podrick pushes him? And did you think, did you genuinely think he was going to cut off a finger? Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I did. I had a feeling that he was going to do it um, because I thought like, hey. They're going to make this interesting. And he, and I think he wants, and I think Colm's character is supposed to show that he is serious in a way that he's sending a message to Padre's like, Hey, you care about me. I am dead serious. Like I like, you know what my goal is, right? Like, you know, I want to be remembered as a, as a great musician, you know, as a fiddler player. And, um, (laughs) and he, needs to show him that he's like i'm serious do not bother me or you're going to prevent me doing the one thing i love doing and that's playing the uh the fiddle uh, what did you think did you not think he was gonna do it <sighs> i was kind of hoping he wouldn't but i knew that he like would eventually if he if he didn't if he drew that line in the sand and project crossed didn't do it didn't do anything but yeah no consequences it. it's just open season yeah he yeah uh, he'd lose all credibility mm-hmm. so when he cut off that first finger, I was like, golly. And the thing about it was, I'm pretty, uh, it didn't seem like any aesthetic was used. So he just took some like gardening shears, cut off his pointer finger. I thought he was going to at least start with his 
hinky. <laughs> and, and Bro didn't even wrap that up. He just had like a bloody hand. Goes immediately to Project Door. Throws it at it. Yeah. I was like, bro, what? What if he didn't find it? What if he was like, oh, I guess everything's all good. Somebody knocked and like nobody was there. Mm. That was kind of ballsy. That was kind of ballsy. It was ballsy. And also I'm like, what's your dominant hand? Like, was it the right hand? I don't know. I guess it has to because I think usually like if you're right-handed, you like hold the bow with Mm -hmm. your right and fiddle with your left. Yeah. Yeah, but still, wild, mm-hmm. wild. Absolutely wild. And then it, go, it gets escalated. So at that point in time, Podrick realizes, no, this man is serious. And he seems like he finally, like, you know, gets into his head that maybe I should stay away from him. And as mentioned before, but a little, in a little bit more detail, he's assaulted by Dominic's father, who's like the head policeman in yeah. Sharon, and is literally lying on the ground. And uh, Calm comes up. Without saying a word, picks him up, puts him back on his like horse and buggy, and then kind of guides the buggy towards the house. Mm-hmm. Still wordlessly stands up, gets off, and it seems like in that moment, like they have a shot, they can be friends. What were you thinking when you saw that? I just kind of said, I like that was uh, when I realized, like, okay, because I had a feeling that, like, before that moment, I was like, maybe Calm just never liked him to begin with, and that he's just kind of mm-hmm. fed up with him and wants to just focus on what he does. Uh, but when I mm. saw that, I'm like, I think that is wrong. Because I feel like he does care about him to some degree. Whether or not he actually always liked him is you know, still up for debate. I don't think that's a clear you know, proof. Uh, but I think he at least shows that he cares about him. And there are other moments in the movie that... Uh, like later on, uh, when uh, the donkey is dead, and like he punches the Jenny. the sheriff, when he's like his donkey just died, and like yeah, um, on all that. So, <clears throat> um, and so like to me, it just kind of like indicated like yeah, he clearly cares about him uh, to some degree, and uh, that like, but he's still he's still very much on this path to wanting to like you know do his music thing um so and and he's willing to kind of like give up that friendship like it's sacrifice for him too i think yeah i don't know i think it's one point that kind of gets glossed over that Mm. it's probably not easy for him to like not talk to his best friend yeah he's so committed to this dream that he's willing to do it Mm -hmm. yep Mm -hmm. definitely oh man and so i guess fast forward finger comes off yeah uh, and so in returning it, it's Shiv's job to return it to Calm. And he says, look, if Padre comes and talks to me again, it won't be one finger. It will be the other four. Yeah. What did you think about that ultimatum? I was just like, I mean, I just think it's, you know, again, him raising the stakes, him kind of escalating, like, like, listen, you know, I'm crazy enough to do one finger, right? I am dead serious. I will do all four. And, Sh- and Siobhan's like, yep, I totally believe you. You cut off a finger <laughs> and get through that her door. Absolutely believe you 100%. Absolutely. Like, I'm going to go tell Patrick. And she tries to reason with him. Like, she is yeah, the sole like voice of reason does. in this conflict, like, in my opinion. Like, I think Calm is absolutely yeah. losing his mind in some regards. And Patrick is just apathetic to the whole situation. He doesn't seem to freaking care uh, about it. And he just is just, like, absolutely stumped as to why he's, like, uh, why won't he hang out with me? Like, I don't understand. And then, like, you know, 
at the pub. Here we are again, setting the stage. Him and Dominic are just getting hammered. We've he's learned nice. up until this point that he is not a nice person when he's drunk. When he's drunk, and he, you know, gets into a fight with Calm at the bar. Dude, I was scared for what was gonna happen. Yeah. I was genuinely like, "Oh crap!" Like this man's gonna kill himself after that. Yeah. Just like, no, nah, he didn't just talk to him. He like yelled at him. Yelled like, at him a all good that while. <laughs> so long that they had enough time to get Siobhan at her house, and then she ran back mm-hmm. and basically pulled him away. Yeah. But. You mentioned Dominic in that moment, and Dominic kind of pops up throughout the movie. Uh, case in point, following that scene, so Calm does not cut off any fingers or anything. He actually even says, man, I think I like him again. Darn. <laughs> Which, <laughs> Which is a pretty funny <laughs> moment. That's the most interesting like, he's ever no been. Way. I think I like him again. <laughs> I was like, and then, see, I didn't know watching it. I was like, so are we good? Like, is that how like yeah. not the movie ends? But do they reconcile from there? But they don't. I actually thought after and, that scene, he wasn't going to cut off all four of his fingers. Like, I didn't think he was going to go through with it. Like, I think he was just going to let that slide for that moment and just kind of like you know, kind of like maybe begin the path to rebuilding. Like, I figured that the movie was going to go down, like one finger off then that might be like a catalyst of repairing like, uh, you know, the friendship. But I was like, eh, and that's where I was thinking, but I'm like, that would be too quick, I guess. Yeah. It would be too this quick. This is an hour 50, hour 50 runtime. Yeah. You gotta remember that. You gotta remember that. And unfortunately he just, you know, and also the common, like, I think I like him again. Like, I, like granted he was, he was making a joke and all that stuff, but like, you know, that's why I thought that maybe he wouldn't cut off all four of his fingers. Like after that's, you know, interaction yeah and unfortunately i i didn't fully buy into it but essentially podrick and dominic are drinking so alcohol is involved yeah. and dominic reveals to podrick that calm said that and he said maybe this isn't about you know your friendship maybe it's about just you standing up to him which podrick takes as a whole freaking challenge and then proceeds to barge into calm's house and like yell at him and say like I'm gonna go get us set up down at the pub, mm. you know, contrary contrary to everything that he's been told, what everybody's told, like you know what he's done, what everybody's told him, and um, oh, you know, I actually kind of forgot about that scene because like you're right, he he, Podrick sees him one more time before he goes and cuts off four of his fingers, yeah, and yeah, so like yeah. part of me was like okay maybe he isn't gonna cut off all four of his fingers because in a way he doesn't like he doesn't go home right after that and just chops them all off and then throws them at him like but Podrick again with like you know I think Siobhan Bro. even tries to stop him from going mm-hmm. and yet he doesn't listen the frustration building up for Siobhan's character arc with like like you know for me like we've talked about how you know she's realizing that the place isn't for her and i also think that this is like a huge you know catalyst moment for her this conflict for her to be like you know i'm the voice of reason neither of these people are listening to reason and also all the surrounding kind of interactions that she's been having with the town is just like leading her like literally driving a wedge through her and her connection to that place and because i think this is the last moment before you know she like leaves. I don't even think she's here when he cuts off all four fingers and throws it at the door. No, she oh, is she because is. they were they cross. A yeah. bit. But before like before he does it, the dog takes the shears and starts walking outside with yeah. him. And the people in my like theater started cheering because they're like, "Oh, the dog's cool." And maybe he was just hoping that Podrick would stand <laughs> up for himself. And the second he took them from the dog, I said, "Nope." 
Yep. Those other four, mm-hmm. those piggies are going to the market. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, next scene, uh, Siobhan goes to get Podrick out of the pub because he's been waiting around for Calm all day. And uh, they're walking back to their house. And who's walking but Calm um. without any fingers yep. on his left hand. Uh, once again, this man just does not believe in like gauze or like bandages. He just I know, just guys just got a bleeding hand walk and all. I'm like, how is that thing not infected? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then just, you see the bone and everything. I was like, bro, wrap that up. <laughs> he does in later oh, scenes, man. but he just yeah, lets exactly. it bleed out. I'm like, dude, how are you not dying of blood loss right now? <laughs> I was like, nine, like 1923. I don't think medicine is quite where it was, you know, <laughs> where it is today. Well, they used to do amputations back then, so they probably had something. (laughs) You're right. You're right. Okay. Maybe just like pour some alcohol and Mm -hmm. it keeps it moving. Yeah. Just rub a little dirt on it. It'll be fine. (laughs) A little dirt. Oh, man. Just (laughs) But no, dude, but that was the catalyst and Mm -hmm. Siobhan leaves after that. She's like, I'm I'm out. I'm out. Peace. I'm getting out of here and like. I also think that in a way that like breaks Podrick in a sense because like he's Dude. losing everybody that's kind of around him. And like also that's the last like Dominic is gone. We don't see Dominic any like more throughout the movie. Ooh. So he literally loses everyone kind of almost instantaneously. Ooh, that's actually very true. And it's interesting because Mrs. McCormick, the like old woman who we said could be the banshee of Inisherin, had warned Podrick randomly, you know, there's gonna be a death on the island maybe too and Mm. so i wasn't sure kind of what the deal was there i didn't know if i was gonna believe her but uh no she is a strange and scary older lady but she was she was right point yeah she was right (laughs) and i think the first one that we found out about was after shiv left Mm. and as uh podrick's going around looking at the fingers that are strewn around his lawn he comes across his noble steed jenny a little donkey oh, slash Jenny. pony. Apparently, Jenny had gotten to one of the fingers and choked on it, and she croaked on it. Yep. And that was that. And it's sad too because it literally happened. The I think it was like the day yeah, after loses, Shiv like left. literally loses everyone. Shiv's gone. Dominic is nowhere to be seen. He's missing. Uh, we learn later that he's dead. And then you know, off, <laughs> Colm's, he's having this conflict with Colm. It's escalated to a point where he's lost all of his fingers, and like, how how much further is he gonna go? He loses Jenny. Like, he's literally alone, alone. Doesn't have friends, it seems, and like, or anyone else. And it's just, it's that's gotta be tough. And at that, that Dude. snaps. That snaps in him because the next thing he does is that he's gonna <laughs> go burn down Colm's house. <laughs> Yup, yup. And so, you th- do you think it was just Jenny's death, or do you think it was it was the culmination of everything? I I took it as the culmination of everything. Like I think, okay, I, I think too. like Jenny dying was the you know the straw that broke the camel's back. I think that was like the big like you know snap moment where he's just like, I'm going berserk. Like I'm just yep. gonna. That's it. That's it. I'm done. Like I think up until that point, he was just like feeling really sad very lonely and then he goes out and sees that his like last friend is basically gone and like dies and chokes on the consequences of like basically his own actions and uh i think that just breaks something in him where he's just like i'm gonna fucking burn your fucking house (laughs) yeah you're fecking i was gonna say that i think uh jenny was also symbolic in terms of 
And it's funny because when you the very first scene with uh, Podrick, you see Jenny, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I think this is symbolic because he kind of comes across as a little bit of like an ass. Yeah. And so the whole movie, he basically is <laughs> until that moment when he's finally like, bump it. I'm not gonna be like annoying. I'm not gonna be whatever. I'm just gonna come in dead set. I'm gonna be a grown man pretty much for the first time this whole movie, mm. possibly the first time in my life, <laughs> yeah. and just draw my own line in the sand. And so he approaches calm. Very cool. He says, uh, you know, you killed my <laughs> my little donkey or my, my pony, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to burn your house down. I'm going to burn your house down at 2 o'clock tomorrow yeah. on the Lord's Day. I said, wow. Wow. That is aggressive. It's like, leave your dog outside. <laughs> <laughs> the savagery. He yeah. was ready for it. He was ready. And then... And then he does it. Like he, does he, he like it. goes the next day. He does the next day. He you see the dogs outside. He like throws <laughs> all this stuff and throws like wood and all that. And he does it. He burns the house down. He sees that calms inside as he does it. Oh. And he just walks away. That's just like it was such a clear symbol of like, I'm done with this man. Like yep. truly friendship ended. And I think like what do you think Calm was thinking in that moment? Dude, I think he kind of respected him a little bit. <laughs> At that point in time, Colm's like, so he had composed his song for the ages. It was called The Banshees know, the of the movie. Yeah. The Banshees of Inishirin. And I think he was like, you know what? I did what I needed to do. And I kind of pushed this dude super far. And I think at the end of the day, he still cares about Podrick. So he's like, he clearly stuff's hitting the fan for this man. And you know what? If it takes me dying, Ben. Sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Padraig had even said, you know, now you this this is like a feud to, to the grave. Like, you and me, until we die, we're going at it. You started it, and I'm going to finish it. And uh, that's where it seems like things end. Until the next day, when Padraig's walking around with Colm's dog. Yeah. Comes to his, like, burned-down house. And he sees, standing upon the beach, <laughs> Colm. What did you, what was the person that came to mind when you saw that? I was just like, I knew it. I knew he was oh, still alive. Really? No, like I actually thought he was dead. I literally thought he was I dead. Did too. Bro, um I thought it was gonna be like the Banshees. I thought that was yeah. gonna be the Banshees. Yeah, I, I, I was like, Okay, he's dead, like friendship friendship over. <laughs> yep. Um I <laughs> genuinely right. thought that because I thought that was gonna be like a point in the movie where because we hear that he or cause we get a letter from Siobhan. And, like, he yep. reads it, and it talks about how, you know, a lot of the reasons why she, like, left, and, you know, hopefully that uh, Padre can come and, you know, visit her, kind of see the world and all that stuff, and, like, maybe even leave. She even suggests, like, Dominic can watch all the animals and all that stuff. And then he, like, ends it with, like, well, Dominic's dead, so he can't do that. And actually just found him. Oh, and... did he say that to her? Yeah, 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 yeah. He wrote it in the letter, like, in a response, like, Dominic's Dang. dead, and then, like, cuts to him oh, pulling out the body and i'm like interesting because i really thought like while he was reading that letter like maybe this is his moment to change and evolve in the same way that siobhan did by leaving this island and just kind of moving on from here um but then you know you quickly kind of see that hey uh you know glom's still alive so uh and i was just like okay okay so where's this gonna go now um nowhere <laughs> no I'm kidding nope, nope. but uh no kind of yeah i mean kind of like i actually do think the friendship is officially over and in a way that like glom kind of got what he wanted but at like what cost right like and he lo- loses his hand essentially loses his house and he's yep. just like thank you for watching my dogs like of course anytime he's much nicer than you or whatever and like um, what did you think about that scene at the end 
I was like conflict because I thought he was. I thought I thought Colm was taking the L. I thought he was just gonna die. Mm-hmm. So then I see him and I'm like, oh, he's a ghost. It's a banshee. And then it wasn't. He was just chilling. And so uh, a lot of things are going through my mind. A, like you said, his house is gone. B, his hand is gone, so it's not like he's going to be fiddling anytime soon. Yeah. C, the friendship is over because this man Podrick's willing to take it to the grave. And I guess, you know, I was wondering what was going through his his mind. Like, was it justified? Or did he have any, you know, remorse, regret about how things ended? And it's funny, and thinking about your, your symbolism, because you, you so, you know, eloquently talked about it before, uh... He says that, uh, and by he, I mean Colm, says, oh, it looks like the war is coming to an end, like the civil war is coming to an end. Mm. And uh, Padre's like, nah, it's not. They'll always basically find reasons to fight. And so it was symbolic in terms of them because mm. it seemed like naturally that, that feud should end. But no, Padre's going to keep stoking that fire. And so... Uh, yeah, it's a perfect metaphor I, for the end, right? Like, yep. you think it's over, but Padre is bitter now. Yes. Yes, and I don't. I think it changed his character. I think he's still kind of like the drunk, but now he's like the drunk with an edge. And I, I, I fear that one sub like point that this movie kind of talked about was being nice versus being mean. And so even Dominic says, "I thought that you, by you meaning, meaning Padrick, were the nicest of people." And yet, over time, you've seen this be warped into such a way that now you know he's mean spirited. He doesn't seem to care he's obviously you know like burning people's houses down and whatnot and so it's this dark kind of arc for him mm-hmm. and uh i mean it's almost like a little bit of a role reversal uh between him and colm whereas colm was kind of the angry one that i need you to stay away or i will like wage violence now it's Podrick who's saying yeah. that so i mean i thought it was interesting because i think colm is realizing like the damage he caused like i think at yep. that moment he's realizing that you know he's reaping the con like you know the the consequences of his actions in ways that he wasn't intending he thought he was going to get peace with a little like ultimatum of like escalating things but in the end he caused the death of his pony he caused Siobhan to kind of leave uh and he caused his house to be burned down and like yeah, yeah as you said with the civil war thing like like I think, like I think it was supposed to, like I think that was Calm's attempt in a way to make peace at the end, and Patrick was just like, no. He said, "Take your olive branch and shove it where the sun don't shine." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! It was yeah, no, it was. I li- honestly, I like that ending. It wasn't yeah. like the cutesy. We're friends again after mm-hmm. all this craziness. We can laugh about it. No, it was the. This is not over. Yeah. And you know what? There's something there's something cool about that. Yeah. Although one question I did have from thinking about endings, because we said that, and it's true, the death that came to the island, well, there were two. There was Jenny, yeah. the little donkey slash pony, <laughs> and there was also Dominic. And mm. so Dominic apparently drowned yeah. in the lake. But I'm curious what you think. Do you think that he just drowned? Do you think that there was something? Oh, I think that? he you committed think- suicide. That was the mm. thing I thought. Like, I think uh, Podrick writes in the letter to Siobhan that he, like, she's like, he must have slipped or something. But given the way that uh, Dominic's character was, like, driving towards, I think that his rejection by Siobhan kind of was, like, an ultimate realization that he might not have the life that he wants. And just, and I think his character was, like, depressed in a way because, like, very, very drunk. His dad beats him a lot. 
Um, that oh. was a common theme that happened throughout the film. Um, that his dad seemed like a real piece of work. And yeah, I think yeah. he just realized he had nothing to live for. And I think, like, unfortunately, he committed suicide after, like, the Siobhan thing. Even though it was harmless on Siobhan, she could not have possibly known uh, that, you know, he was in that kind of mental state. But I think that was just, like, yeah, the last thing for him. And, uh... Yep. I think, once again, to the theme of future, he was hoping that his future was a little bit brighter. Mm-hmm. And then with the rejection of Siobhan, it's like, it seemed like every path forward for him just got closed off. He even says like, well, there goes that dream. And yeah. it's, you don't really see any other women on the island. I'm sure, obviously I think there are, but for him, it's like, I got a terrible dad. My life is crappy. Everybody thinks I'm super stupid. Everybody on the island. And I'm like that last man up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think that the best way to get out of here is just to, you know, do myself in, which is super sad. Yeah. And, I think he was probably like a light for Podrick who would have been able to talk him back mm. had he had Dominic survived. Um, but with that, I think it's blood feud forever between uh, Podrick and Colm Doherty. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So uh, dark, but yeah, worry, you know, well, surprisingly entertaining. It was a surprisingly entertaining and funny movie. <laughs> despite its definitely. dark material. <laughs> um, we ended on such a bummer note there. <laughs> well, that's the Banshees of Inishirin, everybody. There you go, people. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. This has been the What You Got podcast. We're your hosts, Charlie Bud, and join with me as always is Jordan Palmer. You can catch our show every Monday evening wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to drop us a follow. And hit us up on social media, which you can find us at Palmer. Well, you'll let them know. You you can find us on Twitter at what you got cast, what you spelled W H A T C H A, or on Instagram at what you got podcast, what you spelled the same way. Next week, we're going to be talking about the first season of House of the Dragon. We're returning to Westeros, everybody. Checking out Ta-ta. the reign of the Targaryens. So, we're going to be discussing that season. What lies ahead, all that good stuff. And until next week, catch you all later.